A new generation has emerged in the earth. A seed in the ground has been sprouting, yet all around everything looked dead. Like the ground has closed every crack that the fragile seedling requires to sprout, out of the unseen to the seen, out of the death stage with resurrection power. But when the Kairos moment is announced, not even the concrete pavement can stop that seedling from pushing through. The trumpet has sounded, and that sound has hit the core of the earth. A new generation has emerged. A generation prepared and released by the heavens. Feared and hated in hell, yet the world does not recognize, neither is it ready for us. A generation coming from the wilderness of the word, where we have learnt how to die to our carnal ambitions, and embrace the mandate of our Creator. A generation who have overcome the temptations that appeal to the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and pride of life. Our sword is soiled with the blood of our crucified flesh, and desires of the flesh. A generation that has gone through our valleys, and made a decision to join the remnant. A new generation alive in Christ has emerged. A generation whose natural appetite was long overtaken, by the spiritual appetite that declares. My food is to do the will of he who sent me and to finish his work. The king's food and wine is not what entices us, but we choose to eat that which proceeds from the mouth of God. In a world of varied options, we are the generation with a singular sight. We have locked eyes with Christ. The author and finisher of our faith men and women who have made a covenant with our eyes. A new generation fiercely committed to the word of God has emerged. A generation who know that our lives are worth the blood of the Lamb, therefore we cannot be bought with any position, nor sold for any price. We have eaten of his flesh, and drank of his blood, therefore we can confidently say, it is not I who live but Christ in me the hope of glory. A generation that does not take lightly, the greatest event in human history, the cross. We know, it is because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, that we emerge in this season, to establish kingdom lifestyle in the earth. A new generation birthed on the cross has emerged. A generation with the Isaka dimension is here, we know what Kairos we are in, and what we ought to do. The heavenly assignment is all we are here for, to become the interface between heaven and the earth. Downloading all that heaven wants installed on the earth. Heaven looked down for a man who would stand in the gap for the nations, and this generation, in one voice answered. We are here. And are willing to be misunderstood for our faith, rejected for our boldness and courage, and persecuted for holding on to the word. For the joy set before us, we are willing to be identified with Christ. A new fearless generation has emerged. We might not be perfect. Our past might try to haunt us. The enemy will try to stop us using any available vessel, but, like a pilot about to take off, we are announcing. We are committed. No turning back. From the north, south, east and west, behold, a new generation, who will bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. A new generation has emerged, backed by the heavenly host, with a trumpet sounding. Let God arise and all his enemies be scattered. A new generation that has no color, no race, no gender, and no status has emerged. The Ecclesia has emerged. We are the Cyrus community. Hello and welcome.
welcome to the Cyrus community. This is Business Unusual. In this third part of the myth of Easter, we now want to examine the origin of something so central to the Easter and crucifixion story that it has acquired a holy and spiritual status. Now, we've been talking about the myth of Easter because we are trying to separate two issues here. We are separating the rituals, we are separating the activities and the things that happen around this season when we remember the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now today, we are looking at the cross. When you talk about the cross, of course, we are yes. saying <laughs> there is this symbol that we have. Yes. There is this symbol that we carry around. Yes. There is this symbol that you find in our Bibles, in our churches, anything we find there. The question and I think this is what also you'd want to know, yeah. what is the origin yeah. of the cross? You know, like you're saying, it seems so obvious yes. that you'd think the cross does not require an explanation. Yes. You'd be surprised. The true <laughs> origin of the cross used in crucifixion by the Romans is not entirely clear. Hmm. But as we study, one of the things we know is that it was a method of execution by various civilizations before the Romans. So... Think about it. Mm -hmm. We only know the Romans and the cross. Yeah. We think they came up with it. Mm -hmm. They did not. The whole idea of Babylon, mm. many gods, yes. and yet the gods seem to have similarities. Mm. And that's crucial. Yeah. Anyway, it is believed that the Roman Empire adopted the actual practice of crucifixion from the ancient Greeks and some guys called the Carthaginians. Where are they from? Where are the Carthaginians. <laughs> so go and do your homework search the Carthaginians. You'll find actually they're the ones who actually are believed to have originated mm. the use of the cross. Carthaginians. So, yeah, now the specific design of the cross used by the Romans varied. Mm -hmm. It is possible that at the time that the Romans were not crucifying people, there were just two common types. Mm -hmm. One was known as the Tau cross, which was like a T. Okay. You know the way it is written, mm -hmm. or the Latin cross, which mm -hmm. is what we know. The one that is an actual, a cross, top and bottom. Okay. Now this one was used by all of them and it was a traditionally understood for different reasons. Sadly, now we've associated it with Christianity. And we'll soon get to how did we arrive there. I think that's where we are going, <laughs> because if there's one thing, Yes. we have grown up with, I believe most of you are watching, yes. is where you are told that if something happens and you think there's, a, there's even a demonic activity around you, show the devil the cross. <laughs> Let the devil see the cross. Yeah. You know, some people put it under yes. their pillow. Yes. If you're scared at night, put it under your pillow. For Take protection. The... Oh gosh. You, you could be surprised. Okay, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Greeks were not the, the Romans are not, not the only people to use the cross or to use crucifixion. Let's first do the issue of crucifixion, crucifixion and types of crosses. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. the ancient Persians, the Greeks, and as we've said, the Carthaginians also used crucifixions as a means of execution. Notice, mm -hmm. okay. as a means of execution. Now, the use of the cross varied among different civilizations throughout history, and while there were some similarities. There were also notable differences. I think what you're going to do, yes. last week we were checking the different civilizations like you're saying. Exactly. So where we say, okay, fine, let's look at some of the people yes. who used it. And yes. again, I go back to what you said last week, that we need history lessons. And this is what we are doing today. Because if you go back and see, okay, mm. these guys used it, this guy used it, yes. and then now we as Christians yes. think it's actually we own it. Exactly. They used it, we Where own it. Where did we get it from? Let's How look did at we the start owning it? Ancient Persians. Now, the Persians were very interesting. They, they used the crucifixion for a means of punishment for two types of people. Okay. Criminals mm -hmm. and political prisoners. 
So it was primarily that was targeted. So if you were considered a criminal, you'll be crucified. But if you're also considered a political prisoner, hmm. you're very likely going to be crucified. crucified yes. And they had a habit of leaving the body on the cross, hmm. hanging as a warning to others. Okay. <laughs> that is on the cross. Yes. Those All are right? the Persians. Now those are the Persians. The yes. Greeks? The Greeks also used it, used it as a method of punishment, but it was primarily reserved for slaves and non-citizens. Okay. So if a slave, say, ran away from his master, mm -hmm and was caught or did or, or, or committed some crime, the punishment was crucifixion. Again, if you're a non-citizen of Greece and you committed something, citizens are not crucified, mm. only non-citizens. Okay. So, so here we are talking about discrimination. the slaves Yes. and, and non-citizens. Non -citizens. Now yes. let's look at these guys you're calling the Carthaginians. I will say that because <laughs> this is a name we don't, we don't often come across. Actually, they are believed, based on history, to have been the first people to use crucifixion. Okay. If anybody invented it, these it are the guys. these fellows. Okay. And they use it to punish both criminals and enemies of war. Mm. So with them, it began with enemies of war. If you're captured in war, say you're a, you're a, a foreign king, to make sure that there'd never be a threat again, they would crucify you. Mm. Those are the Carthaginians. Yes. The Romans. Now, the Romans... <laughs> Of course, Romans are very good at borrowing. If you study Romans, a lot of the things Romans did, they either borrowed from Persians or Greeks or somebody. Okay. Then they made it a system. Mm. So by the time we're getting the Romans, there really was three main um, forms of crucifixion as a form of capital punishment. Okay. It was for rebellion, treason, or piracy. Hmm. <laughs> so notice immediately just by saying that you should have an idea which mm. category Jesus fell under. Okay. So you say rebellion, <laughs> treason, and, and piracy. piracy. Since Jesus was not a pirate. <laughs> Since he was not rebellious. <laughs> there's only one reason okay. that Jesus was crucified. Mm. He was crucified for treason. Mm. So it's important to understand to begin with, very crucially, that the cross belonged to the Romans and early civilizations. Mm -hmm. The cross did not belong to the Jews, did not belong to anybody in that territory. So it's the, so, and there's a reason I'm insisting for you to get the connection as we go along. Yes. So if that was so, it was also a public humiliation. Mm. Or any time they felt that somebody was threatening the power of Rome, mm. they would use this. They say there's one crazy uh, emperor among the Romans who would come to a city and for no reason would get people crucified along the road that he would pass. Hmm. I think it was Nero. Just so that there would be fear. Hmm. So that people would say, these guys, you cannot overcome them. You cannot threaten them. And it's the same thing that I've seen in yes. all these people that you've, uh, you've, you've shown us. Yes. They all did it as a form of punishment. Exactly. Form of punishment. And I, there's something also you repeatedly said. Yes. That they left the bodies on the cross. Yes. As a warning to other people. Exactly. So if you're talking about a slave who is running away, yes. you're leaving the body on the cross so that other, other slaves. slaves can say, my friend, <laughs> try me. Will never you dare see what will to happen. run away. Yes. So I want you to imagine for a moment okay. that if this was such a painful thing, and if you, if you follow church history, you'll know a lot of other of the disciples, of the apostles, were also crucified, yes. including Peter. Yes. Now, I want you to imagine what, what the cross must have meant to the early believers. Mm. It was an item of torture. It was a symbol of terror. Mm. It was a picture of something that was so painful to anybody who believed in Christ mm. that there is absolutely no way mm. 
Christians would have chosen this as their sign. Now let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> Here we are saying this was used as a form of punishment. Yes. We want to punish you, not only to punish you, to kill you, to live here in those who are watching. Thank you. So you are dead, yes. but the people who saw you being crucified yes. are full of fear. Yes. Actually, you terrorize them. Exactly. So that they do not repeat such a thing. Uh -huh. Now, that's what you're saying now. How could we as Christians have chosen such a tool to be our tool of, is it victory or... Yes. I don't know. To put into perspective, yep. I want you to imagine for a moment the Africans who were carried away in chains. Okay. Using those chains as a sign of our victory. Mm, that's the best way to look at it. So you're talking about here is a slave. Yes. Who is now showing you the chains and telling you these are... This they, is now our symbol. They it's put now them logo. on all their books yeah, this and is our in logo. their schools. Yes. This is our logo. How is that possible? It's not. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> it's like saying that the... Slaves in America would use the whip mm. as a symbol of their freedom. Mm. Does that make sense to you? I think maybe here there's a question. Because if we look at the cross, which is now what we are holding on to strongly, yes. more yes. so during this time of Easter, yes. there were other things like, uh, let's talk about maybe the fish. Yes. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Actually, the actual early church yes. used a fish as a symbol. Okay. That was a secret symbol. Mm. Because remember, they were not popular. Yes. How do I know this is my brother? How can I trust you? Hmm. Imagine showing him a cross. Okay. I'll crucify you, my friend. You're telling him I'll crucify you. <laughs> so the they guy used... will run. Now, if they used that, the early church used the fish as their sign, yes. then at what point, maybe they even you will ask, at what time did the cross become so prominent symbol of Christianity? And uh, our famous individual, a.k.a. Constantine, <laughs> Here he comes again. Fourth century. Hmm. Again, Constantine okay. brings the cross in. And, and let me give you the background story to how this happens. Mm -hmm. According to legend, Constantine was going to war. And there's a very specific war. It's called the, war, the Battle of the Milvian Bridge. Mm -hmm. Apparently, on his way there, it is said that Constantine, by his own words, saying to his historian okay. that in the middle of the day, some versions say he saw a cross on top of the sun. Okay. Some versions say he saw a cross inside the sun. Notice association with mm -hmm. the sun. Mm -hmm. Before his victory. And he said that at the time he saw that, a voice said to him, in this, go and fight. Using this symbol. Then, he claims, later that day, Christ appeared mm -hmm. to him in a dream. And ordered him, listen to the term, okay. ordered him to use it as a permanent sign against his enemies and to use it as a symbol of victory. Hmm. That's the same statement we make. This is our symbol of victory. So we are using Constantine's definition. Yes. And as we have said, Constantine is a sign in a wonder. This brother, if you notice where the church has ended, in a place where even heaven wonders, what on earth is happening down there? It is Constantine that who misled. So... A Roman emperor, yes, in a long line of Roman emperors, yes, who have been killing people on the cross, now is told by God to use his weapon <laughs> item of torture, yeah. as a symbol of Christian, yeah. and he said the God of the Christians, <laughs> Christ Himself. Mm. So Christ, who was crucified on a cross, told Constantine to use the tool it was he was used to be killed with 
as a sign of power. Hmm. What does that actually tell you about the intent of the owner of that cross? And that's what we've been looking at and saying that here is Easter, where we are yeah. all supposedly remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. But there are so many things around this resurrection that if we do not sit back and ask questions where we say, no, 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 let's talk about the cross. Yes. If I'm watching this thing and I'm seeing Christ being crucified on the cross, but I'm using the same cross to say yes. that this is our sign of victory. Here's the problem. Mm -hmm. So the first usage of the cross was on the coat of arms mm. of Constantine and his soldiers. Mm. So their shields carried this sign and it was used for war in God's name. In other words, God, Christ gave him this thing so that he can go and win wars. How interesting. Hmm. All right? Okay. In fact, this, this sign became so notoriously used mm -hmm. that if you, if, you, if you study the early movements of the church after Constantine, there was those things called, the notorious things called crusades. Mm -hmm. Crusades were armies endorsed by the popes for crushing and conquering anybody who refused to become, to come under the Roman church. I think you need to stop. You've just mentioned crusades. I mean, can we go back and understand the origin of crusades? And I know most people know this, <laughs> but there's somebody who could be watching and say, yes. okay, wait, 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 did you just say crusades? Yes. Because what do we know crusades to be today? Listen. Now give us the origin the, again. The crusades yeah? came out of this. Okay. It was from then on, the, every time there was a holy war, okay. it would be called a crusade. Hmm. Incidentally, so many crusades were sent against Muslims that Muslims retaliated with their own holy war called Jihad. Hmm. Today, and when we talk about Jihad, we always think of this thing of these guys, of course, they are militant. These guys are it violent. But we don't know, when they hear crusade from us, they hear the same thing. Listen, go and Google yeah. and research crusades. Mm. Look for the history channel and research the crusades under popes. Mm. Look at the atrocities that were carried out in God's name. Mm. So you're telling us that crusades were, were endorsed by popes. Absolutely. To conquer you, heathens. The, the pope Can you imagine? gave you the right mm. to go on a crusade yeah. and said God is with you. And even if you kill heathens, God is with mm. you. That's where it came from. So when history. they come and say for Christians, of course, when you go out, you're looking out for the heathens. That is why we still are winning souls. We are <laughs> winning them by force. That's when you go to the from. Muslims and they have their jihad, they're, they're looking for the infidels. unbeliever. They're fighting infidels. Infidels. Same principle. Look at that. Same principle. So imagine mm -hmm. that's what came on. Now over time, both the, the cross and the crusades became... Hmm our symbol. Why? Because Constantine ordered it. Not only did he order it, he ordered initially for churches to be designed in the shape of the cross. Mm. Then he ordered that every church must have a cross either in its, in its uh, roof or it's in iconography or in its art. Mm. So you could identify a church with a cross. That's Constantine. And <laughs> since we know that anything and everything that Constantine did <laughs> was to distract us, was to take us away yes. from where God intended, you can be sure, even the cross, exactly. he did not mean any good. Yes. So, let's continue. So, so explain <laughs> to me how a weapon of torture becomes our symbol of victory. 
You see, it, it's very easy, and I know, I know this has been taught. When I grew up in the early days in Christianity, I was taught this. I was told that the reason it is an empty cross is a sign of victory. Jesus is no longer on it. Mm. And I believed it until I did a study in history and discovered, no, that's not why it was there. It was there because Constantine, a Roman emperor, who obviously must have used it for crucifixion himself, yeah. Yeah. would come to a point of now telling us that we need to use it as a sign of who we are. So, people, it's time for us to begin to pause oh, yes. and ask ourselves, where did we get some of these truths from? Hmm. How quick are we to accept things that we do not know their source? You remember what you said last week, that here is this uh, believer hmm. who was born into this lie. Yes. The person who is teaching him or her believes the lie also. Exactly. And that's why we keep insisting that we must always go back and read and uh, learn some history, exactly. study some issues so that we understand because if we talk about the crucifixion, if we talk about uh, the cross, yes. now we are seeing that the pagan, one of the pagan practices yes. was to crucify people on the cross yes. as a form of punishment. Exactly. And more so, you're being left on the cross so that you can be an example to other people. That if you try to do this thing, this is what we'll do exactly. to you. So that cross, when you saw a cross, it should bring fear. We are saying now that yeah. Constantine told us it is a sign of victory. And we accepted it. Over. Now, here's the problem. <laughs> the problem is that instead of focusing on the crucifixion, yes. we now focus on the cross. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> During Easter, we talk about the cross. The cross is the issue, mm -hmm. the way of the cross, mm. the carrying of the cross, mm. the three thieves on the cross, mm. everything on the cross. Jesus arose, we now remain with the cross. Mm. So Jesus is gone, but the cross is with us. Mm. So we are not sitting down and saying there's something called here the crucifixion yes. and resurrection. Exactly. Those are the two things. That's where our gaze should be. Mm. When you talk about Easter, you should be asking yourself, stop, why was he crucified? Yes. When we say he's resurrected, from what and for what? Why did he have to resurrect? Exactly. Why is it so powerful that he resurrected? Exactly. Those are the things we should be concentrating on. Yes. But now when we talk about the cross, and what do we say about the cross? We have victory. Yes. He's no longer on the cross. Listen, have you heard us discuss the tomb of Jesus? Hmm. <laughs> it's the same principle. Yes. Focusing on the cross is like focusing on the empty tomb. Hmm. That is not the issue. The issue is, what were they told? Who are you looking for? Why do you look for the living? Among the dead. the dead. Why are you looking here in the tomb? That's not where he is. Mm -hmm. Why are we looking at the cross? That's not where he is. That is where the deception is. It's so well mingled that by the time we are done, after Easter is over, what are we left with? The cross. Yeah. Now, to get into correct order, guys, we have to begin by examining the why of crucifixion. Why was it necessary? Mm. What caused it to be necessary? That's Forget powerful. the cross. Yeah. Why was a crucifixion necessary? If we come to Easter and just discuss the death of Jesus, yes. without going back and saying, okay, fine, he died. Mm -hmm. Why? Exactly. Why? Why did he have to die? Because yes. if I get that principle right, then I will understand that during this season, I should not be thinking about the cross. Mm -hmm. I'll be thinking of the why and the what. And the what? what necessitated this. That's the main thing. So you're saying you yeah. go back? Yes. Of course, we always go back yeah. to... The origins to understand. Exactly. Where do we start today? There's no other place to start. But before we go to the beginning, mm -hmm. let's just pick a scripture or two. Okay. That is going to kind of help us. Now, these scriptures are not so obvious because they can be a bit difficult. 
We won't go into the depth of their theology. Okay. We'll just look at them and believe that by faith they make a reference to something that will help us begin to track. Because at the time that this conversation is going on, these scriptures we are discussing are going to be talking about the crucifixion, mm. not the cross. Okay. So they'll help guide us back to where this thing began. Acts 2, 22, 24. Yeah. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know. Him being delivered by the predetermined purpose and for knowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, mm -hmm. whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So here's an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Peter is speaking, and he's saying, listen, this Jesus, whom you crucified, this is on the day of Pentecost, who was put to death by God's predetermined. Now this term predetermination mm -hmm. is quite constant in scripture. It reveals to us a plan that was set in motion at the point of creation. Okay. So this same Jesus who was predetermined. Mm. That's why Jesus would say, I go, and we discussed it last week, I go to Jerusalem to, to die. die. Which means this is predetermined. And I think also if you look at Revelation 13, 8, yes. talks of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Aha. That's what you're talking about. Yes. God's predetermination. Exactly what so. is it that God had already yes. predetermined? Now, and I want you to note mm -hmm. what that Revelation <laughs> speaks about. It says, before the foundation, foundation of the world. It does not say before creation. Mm. Before the foundation of the world. We've talked yeah. about the difference between the world yeah. and the earth. Exactly. We have a message on that. You can check it up on our YouTube yes. channel. The term world here is the term cosmos, which okay. basically talks about where the devil exercises authority and control through his systems. Mm -hmm. This is the same thing he says to Jesus in the temptation. All authority has been given to, to me. me. The kingdoms of the world. You understand? The cosmos. So before the cosmos was in place, before the enemy set up his systems and his structures, mm. God made a plan to redeem man. Do we understand each other so far? Okay. That is the predetermination. Okay. Now, to, to understand that, we have to examine what was the original plan, mm. what went wrong, mm -hmm. and therefore God put in motion a process that made the crucifixion necessary. So you're talking about this, the original story where God yes. says let's create man in our yes. own image after our own likeness. Uh -huh. That is God's original story. Yes. And then you're talking about this of course where man falls yes. and then God has a plan. Yes. Now take us through that. Yes. So that we yeah. understand yes. when you talk about uh, what necessitated crucifixion. Exactly. Let's go back. So let, let's understand this. The original story is God introduces his kingdom in Genesis 1. Okay. And how do we know that? He said, let us make money in our image, like you've said. Then he says, let us give them authority. Let them have dominion. The term having dominion is exercising the authority of a kingdom. Okay. Are we together so far? Yes. So he gave Adam all that. Now, as long as Adam was under God's authority, he was able to execute the authority God gave him. Okay. All right? Yes. But the minute he moved out and rebelled from that authority, he lost that authority, and the domain was over the earth. Okay. Okay? When he lost it, you see, when Adam loses it, somebody gains it. Mm. So, <laughs> somebody gains There's it. There's no vacuum. But, when you talk about Adam rebelled, is yes. where he ate of the 
yes. tree of yes. the knowledge of good and evil. Yes. He has done something that he's not supposed to have done. Exactly. And God says, when you do this, you surely die. Yes. He has rebelled. He has rebelled. Okay. Now he has no authority. And he's been put outside exactly. of the garden. And this is the reference in the temptation of Jesus yes. where the devil says and Jesus does not debate him all authority that was delivered to me. Mm. Mm. So how did he get access? Adam lost it. Yes. So when Adam lost it and it was delivered to the enemy and he began to build his systems against God, mm. then God makes a plan to come as the second Adam to restore the authority. I'm paraphrasing for you a very massive teaching. I think that's what the question, this is where we ask that question. Yes. That, can you imagine that God has created man? Yes. Man has gone off. Yes. And God says, for this man to be brought back to where he ought to have been, yes. I have to become man. Exactly. I have to go through the process of being born. Yes. In the earth. Yes. So that I can redeem man. I mean, you can see this is and a And I need you guys process. not to lose a narrative here. Yes. Why was this important? Mm -hmm. I often say that it's always important as you journey with God sometimes to ask him questions that sometimes seem complex, mm -hmm. but if you're authentic, God will give you an answer. I remember years ago, before we got this clarity, asking God, when Adam fell, why didn't you just fix it with him? <laughs> why did yeah. you have to wait why for all of us, for to, come us to come through this? Why didn't you just say, Adam, you've messed up, we're done, reboot, restart, we move? There were only two anyway. Him and Eve. Easy. It was easy. We wouldn't even have known, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'd have had no clue that there had been a plan A, we yes. have plan B. Yes. <laughs> but that's not how God operates. When God, God's word is so powerful, the Bible says mm. that he exalts his word above his name. Mm. Mm. So when God gives his word, he cannot go back on it. That's a powerful concept. So when God said, let's give man dominion over the earth, mm. God let man have dominion over the earth. Mm. I will say this again. God is the owner of the earth. Okay. Man is the one who has dominion in the earth. Mm. Interesting concept. So God could not, even though he's the owner, take back dominion when Adam gave it away because Adam was in charge. Mm. That's what makes him God. That's what makes him God. Yeah. Otherwise, Adam would have been a robot. Mm. Otherwise, Adam would never have had a choice. Yes. And this will, this will be important because you'll discover the cross is also about a choice. So, okay, fine. This is important. Let's go back here. Yes. So God has created man, yes. given him authority over the earth. Yes. Meaning when he says he's given him authority, he's given him dominion. Yes. God tells you, I'm out. I stepped out. It is you. Yes. And you're in my image after my likeness, meaning you're supposed to be representing me. Good. I don't have to come there. Exactly. Now, down there, if you give away your authority, yes. your dominion, yes. God tells you, you know what? Yep. To get that dominion back, I have to come as man. As a man, because only a man has dominion over the earth. Let's talk about something here. God told man, if you eat of this tree, yes. of the knowledge of good and evil, yes. you shall surely you die. You shall surely die. Okay. You shall surely die. Yes. So this is the principle. Mm -hmm. This, Listen, and we're going to walk you through this. It will help you understand the cross. Yes. So God takes the authority over the earth and gives it all, all. to man. Okay. Okay. Man loses that authority. Mm-hmm. The enemy steps in, but the enemy can't step in by himself. He's not a fool also. Yes. Because he cannot also violate the principle. He also has to take authority through man. man. That is why he will influence mankind to worship him. Mm. He will influence mankind to build systems. But he cannot he walk into the earth and say, listen, I'm the devil and I've come to take over. No, he, also has he no needs authority. a man. Exactly. Okay. So he uses men over the time. So when you see Pharaoh killing the firstborn, 
is the devil looking for the man God may be raising. Mm. Yes. Moses, because he thought that was the guy. And we've seen that through scripture. Mm. The devil always trying to annihilate people he thought were the one. Yes. Now, the way God structures it, God says, you know what? For this authority to be returned, there must be another one in my image, mm. just like you. Yeah. In my likeness, just like you. Mm. And that one must, that's why you've wondered why there are scriptures, like the scriptures that start with, and Jesus, who was thought to be the son of the son of the son of Adam, the son of God. Okay. So Adam was a son of God. Yes. So it has to be another son of God. Mm. That son of God also must come into the earth in a supernatural way. Yes. The way Adam came. Okay. And God breathed into man. Man became? A living soul. And God breathed into woman. Yes, Mary. And she gave birth to this last Adam. Okay, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> All right, so we are seeing... In the life of Jesus, yes. we are seeing God telling you, listen, I need to go back to Genesis chapter 2 yes. and see that this is where we are and there we need go. to continue. But in chapter 3, yes. man has just gone off. Yes. He's doing his own thing now. Mm -hmm. I breathed into man. Thank I you. have to breathe again. Yes. So you're saying that when you look at the life of Jesus here, is yes. almost like a repeat. God telling you, I have to go through the process again of Genesis chapter there you go. Okay. So, mm -hmm. now we arrive when God has to come and the devil has no clue until one day mm. God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and who appears immediately, the devil, mm -hmm. for another conversation like the one he had in, in the garden. Okay. And he goes, if you follow the three temptations, you'll find exactly the same concepts that were found in Genesis. This time it doesn't work. Okay. And so the process of time goes on, but God has preset something, right? What is this thing God has preset mm. that he's been predetermined? This mm. is the thing. Adam gave us a way mm -hmm. in a garden. Yes. Okay? How did he give us a way? By disobeying God. Alright? Not God's will, but Adam's will. Listen, I'm, I'm teaching you something so you don't get theological. I'm keeping it at the story level so that you can grasp it quickly in your mind and not forget it. Okay. I could go into all sorts of scriptures to give you what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But I'm giving you an overview picture for us to understand what the cross is really about. Okay. All right? When Jesus, it's time for Jesus to go and die, mm. he's in a garden again. Okay. Garden of Gethsemane, Garden of Eden. Okay. Now here are the differences. In one garden, man disobeys God and follows his will. Hmm. And we call that the fall of man. Okay. Yes. In another garden, man gives up his will for God's will. Can you that, see the reversal? And that's where we talk about the raising up of man again. Can, can you see the, the reversal? Yes. Father, if it were possible, take, take this away. cup away from me. Nevertheless, hmm. not my will but yours. He's reversing a major error. So when we see Jesus that. saying that, you know, when you see him at the Garden of Gethsemane, yes. if you remember, you've read, if you go, well, go and read that, yes. you'll see that is one place where he was even sweating blood. Blood. Okay? Yes. And in this place, he says it's nevertheless, that one statement, nevertheless, That's a most crucial not my will. That statement, not my will, is where Adam said, listen, my will. My will. I'm going to do <laughs> this thing. That's what Adam yes. said. But here, there is where Jesus is saying, if it was my will. Exactly. But you know what? I don't live for me. Exactly. I live for him. Exactly. 
Nevertheless, yes. not my will. And now, what was the penalty hmm. of what Adam did? Hmm. What was it? Death. Okay. Remember? Yes. If you do this, you will surely die. die. So what was the price to be paid hmm. to reverse the order? Death. Death. Okay. Do you now understand why, while Jesus is still at Gethsemane, what happens? Hmm. Again, the enemy comes into the garden yes. through a man called Judas. Hmm. And again, we see deception, a kiss. Yes. Are you seeing patterns being reversed? Mm -hmm. But this time, Jesus chooses to die. Yes. Why? So that he can break that authority and bring back the authority, bring back the order, bring back the capacity mm -hmm. that we lost so that we can go back to being who we are. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah. Here is the thing. But we're going to get another picture you need to understand. God is a king. Once he's given his word, it can't be reversed. Yes. Okay? That is so important. It's so important because that will explain to you why when Jesus died on the cross, not everybody was reverted. Say that again. I'll come back to that. Okay. That when Jesus died and rose again, we didn't all get into freedom. Because what had been put in place cannot be stopped. It mm. can only be overridden. Mm. Okay. You'll see that with, with the Esther. When the king makes a decree, Esther goes and asks for a reprieve. The king says, I cannot change my word. Mm. Because king's I cannot, word king's words can never be changed. Because okay. I cannot change my word, I'll give you another word. Mm. And says, from now on, the Jews can protect themselves. He cannot reverse his first word. The king cannot reverse his word. Nebuchadnezzar says, who doesn't bow goes to the pit, even if I love Daniel. The king cannot. That's a principle you have to learn right through scripture. Okay. Why is it important? That way you know that God's word cannot return. Mm. When God says something to us, that word cannot return to him empty. Yes. Now you understand the power of that scripture. Exactly. Now what is it that you have heard from God? Yes. If this is what God has said, God said it in Genesis. Yes. He said that the, the seed of woman Good. will crash. Yes. In Genesis. Good. And it went through scriptures, generations yes. to generations. And that word never returned to him empty Absolutely. until it accomplished. Absolutely. In fact, now that you mentioned Genesis, yeah. this is Genesis 3.15, okay. after the fall. Yes. Inside Genesis 3.15 are all the clues. Remember, mm -hmm. man has just fallen. Okay. And I don't want to go into all the debate, the theological debates. That God for new man would fall, God made a plan in advance and God put it in motion, that is a God thing and it is a scriptural truth. <laughs> trying to understand that is like trying to get a cup to understand the ocean. Okay. It's not going to happen. Yes. But that is the truth. Okay. What we are dealing with is the plan God put in place in the garden to fix the problem mm. while they were still in the garden. Yes. So we're going to go into the garden and look for clues of what God already put in place and what God said that pointed us and that is why the devil has been waiting because he also heard what God said. Mm, yes. All right? So in Genesis 3.15, like you've said, there's a statement God makes to the serpent, of course, to the devil. Yes. Let's just read it. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and mm. between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, listen, guys, this is not a literal thing between a snake and a person. <laughs> this is not about you stamping on the head of a snake. Mm. This scripture, if when properly interpreted, is the metaphors used. First of all, remember they were using very powerful concepts. The, your seed, which means the enemy has a seed. Mm. 
and the seed of woman, which means the woman has a seed. Yes. Already that is a very complicated explanation right there because it has nothing to do with what you understood to be seed. Yes. Because do serpents have seed? And do women have seed? Do women have seed? <laughs> that tells you are dealing with a metaphor. Okay. You need to understand seed is always sons in this context. Okay. Are we together so far? Mm -hmm. That the seed is, and when you look, look at your scripture, the seed of woman is capital S. Yes. Well, the seed of the enemy is smallest. Yes. And Jesus giving a parable one day talked about the seeds planted were the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the enemy. Mm. All right? So, this is what the scripture means. It means that in the end, the seed of the womb of woman, Christ, in the crucifixion, when the crucifixion happens, the power, the head, the headship, the authority, mm. the systems, mm. everything the enemy has will be crushed. But before it happens, the enemy will crucify, strike your heel. Mm. When a serpent strikes your heel, you know it's a death strike. Yes. He will kill you. Yes. But in killing you, you will destroy him. Mm. That and that is where the right Bible there. talks about. If the devil knew what was about to ha happen. He would not have crucified. He would have put guards around Jesus. He would have protected because the yes. Bible talks about, you know what? Ignorance. <laughs> he did know yes. that through bruising his heel yes. is the end of his authority. Exactly. He will be crushed in his head. Exactly. So the scripture in Genesis was yes. coming to pass yes. on that day. Exactly. So yeah? Genesis 3.15 mm. is the clearest explanation of both the act and the intent of the crucifixion. Mm. In other words, it's telling you his heel will be striked. Yes. He shall be beaten. He shall die. Yes. But in his death, he shall break the power mm. of the original curse of you shall surely die. Yes. And he will restore authority mm -hmm. and break, give man back the opportunity to take back the earth. So we needed the crucifixion. <laughs> we needed to come to this point where we say, you know what, there's a word that was spoken yes. in Genesis and it must come to pass. Yes. But in coming to pass, yes. man is redeemed. Exactly. Man is brought back to his father. Yes. Man is given way, uh, leeway to go back yes. to his father. Absolutely. And that is where we see when this happens, mm. the curtain was torn from yeah? bottom to top. Okay. Meaning that the sacrifice of the old has been removed. Up to now, God mm. gave symbols. Yep. God gave patterns. God gave journeys of how. That's why God introduces, introduces lamps, yes. introduces sacrifices as pictures. But the first picture, before any of this is introduced, mm. is actually found in Genesis 2. Yes. So we're going to look again inside Genesis for other pointers to where this was going to go. So remember man has fallen. God is now correcting things by giving us pictures. First he speaks and says what's going to happen. Then he starts doing certain acts that help us understand what the picture is going to be. Genesis 3.21 yeah. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skins and clothed them. Now you know it's very interesting when you say the Lord made tunics of skin, mm. you know that the only way he could have made tunics of skin is he slaughtered something. Mm. There and was then shedding of blood. It. So blood was shed okay. and they were covered. A yes. picture that in the shedding of blood mm. your sin will be covered. Mm. Okay. Have you seen the picture already? So we already seen yes. pictures here exactly. that are already pointing to Christ. Yes. Okay. So this is the first blood sacrifice we see. Yes. And it is used to cover sin. Mm. I was naked, I was ashamed. It is being used to cover shame. Mm. It's mm. being used to, to restore them and to bring them away from where they have been. So God is already showing you how he would use that death 
to take away sin. Mm. Okay. A picture is already there. Okay. Let's also see some of the things God created that God was still going to use as we went as we so go to the future. So we are looking at Genesis yes. to see the pictures that point. In, within creation, yes. God had tools already ready mm -hmm. that point us to that change. Okay. Yes. So when you talk about uh, Genesis 1.14, mm -hmm. when God created the stars, of course, there was the stars, yes. there was the sun, sun there the was moon. the moon, for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So imagine God putting that in place, knowing very well that one day a star will be used as a sign mm. to point you to the birth of the one mm. who would bring redemption. Mm. So the entire creation is lining up. For that. Yes. It's, it's meant to go a particular way. But when God now reorders and is taking us where we are going, every ingredient is in place, mm. already set in motion. So when God is saying that the seed of woman will crush your head, creation is aligning to bring things back into order. Mm -hmm. All right? Okay. Uh -huh, Looking at uh, Genesis 1.11, yes. where we talk about when God made trees and, of course, all the plants on the third day of creation. Here there is now the issue of tree, let the earth bring forth. Trees. trees. Now yeah. think about it. Adam ate from a tree. Okay. The tree caused death. Christ was crucified on a tree. Mm -hmm. That brought life. Do you begin to see the yes. parallels? Yes. That's why the Bible, let me tell you the interesting thing. Whenever you look at the actual original translation of the word cross in most of the New Testament, the word is translated back to tree or stake. Mm. Tree. And it even says, for cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Meaning, how would he reverse the thing? Mm. It came from a tree, he will fix it from a tree. And that's what we always tell you, that <laughs> in Genesis you find trees. Yes. All right? Of course, there is a prominent tree, the tree of life. Yep. And of course, there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yep. But there are other trees. Yes. Then throughout the Bible, you'll always find trees. There you you'll go. You'll always find trees. But there is this one place where yes. it talks about he will hang on a tree. Exactly. But on that hanging of the tree... He'll be saving your life. Look at how much trees yes. are used in the Bible. Yeah. And of course, we say in Revelation again yes. that there is a tree. Okay, now when you look at Genesis 3.18, mm -hmm. we see something now that comes up. When man has eaten, mm -hmm. God has come and is telling man the consequences of eating. Yes. Now he tells him that because you've eaten, mm -hmm. the ground will produce thorns and thistles. Uh -huh. All right? Yes. Now, how does this connect with Christ? Now, you will first remember that thorns and thistles are connected to toil. Yes. Man is no longer, if you've heard us teach before, mm -hmm. you've heard us talk a lot about toil and thorns and thistles as being a picture of through pain, through sweat, yeah. through all the stresses man is producing, through grief. And it's instrumental to note, again we say clues, okay. that when Jesus was now on the cross, they made him a crown mm. of thorns mm. and thistles and put on his head. Yes. Now please connect. By the sweat of your brow, mm -hmm. thorns and, and toil, thorns and thistles is what you'll produce. Okay. Then, thorns and thistles are put on his head. All right. All right? Mm -hmm. It means a number of things. Okay. First things, it means that something is being reversed. Yes. Productivity is being restored. Mm. Toil is being removed. Yes. Work is being reactivated. Mm. It also means that it is connected to your mentality. And that is where we say, when you to see that there's uh, the thorn, the, the crown, crown of, of thorns, thorns, we are saying that why was it put on the head? Yes. To show you your mentality, your mind has been redeemed. Yes. You are no longer going to live and produce thorns exactly. and thistles. This is being destroyed. The power of the castle that's on the ground yes. is being broken. Exactly. 
thorns and thistles you should not produce after this event. And if you think That's about it, so it was also a mockery because it was a crown. Yes. Yet they didn't know it wasn't a mockery, it was hmm. a prophetic act. Yes. That authority, kingship, rulership, hmm. productivity would come again. Because the Bible says actually in Mark 15 and 17 that they put, that they put a purple robe on hmm. him yes. and put a crown of thorns. Yes. That's rulership. Hmm. That's power. They didn't know it was a picture of the power of what he was reversing and restoring to us. Hmm. So you see how all these parallels are in scripture. And why are we giving you these parallels? Basically to show you that the Bible has a way of interpreting itself very powerfully and of pointing you significantly to what was going on. So yes. now, the, all these things are pointing us to the why of the crucifixion. You see, if we understand that, then we'll understand the intended outcome of the crucifixion, not the action of the crucifixion. Thank you for watching this episode of the Kingdom Conversations. The big question remains, what? have you heard? And what are you going to do about it? Keep tracking with us, like and follow us on our social media handles, the Cyrus community on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. You can send in your questions through Facebook or use the email on your screen. And as Micah 4.4 says, may you be found seated under your vine and under your fig tree. Until our next episode, Keep it kingdom, keep it pure.